Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Roney. Today is the 28th of September 2022, the third day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei with three days into the new year, 5783. This week we're reading the Torah portion of Vayelach. We just finished Rosh Hashanah yesterday. Today is Tzom Gdalia, the fast day of Gedalia. Gedalia ben Achikam was the last autonomous ruler of Judea um, during the time after the Babylonian conquest, and he was killed by a fellow Jew, despite the fact that he had warning of the plan. And with the death of Gedalia, the Jewish state in Israel lost its last autonomy before the long protracted Babylonian exile. So this is a day we commemorate every year with a fast. It is one of the fasts of destruction, but it is also a good time to reflect as we have entered the 10 days of repentance. The 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur we start every year with a clean slate with an opportunity to clean our slate to make sure that we are starting a new year after doing a complete review of who we are, what we are, and where we're going. And we don't carry any baggage from one year into the next. So on this show today, I would like to discuss some ways, some thoughts, some approaches and techniques that you too can use to reflect on your life until now, on the year until now, and what we can all do to go into the coming year with a clean slate. But before I talk about that, I would like to draw your attention to the events in Russia and Ukraine. I know for most people this issue has been moved to the back burner and people can be asking me, Oh, what? There's still a war going on there? We haven't heard about that for a while. So yes, my friends, there is a war going on in Ukraine still. And last week on Wednesday, Russia announced mobilization of its reserve. At first, Russians said they would mobilize 300,000 men. But then it turned out that in a secret paragraph, the plan is actually to draft up to 1 million men, and maybe even more, 1.2 million Quarter million Russians have left the country, escaped the country, in the past several days. There are very few opportunities for Russian people to escape. Most of the countries bordering Russia have sealed their borders. The Baltic countries of Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland have all sealed their borders and do not allow Russians to come in. Obviously, they cannot go into Ukraine, which is the next country. Belarus is a Russian protectorate, so while they might be safe from the mobilization there, they can't stay there for long. It's too risky. And then um, there is Georgia, uh, Gruzia. Um, Georgia has one um, border passing that is open, and then Kazakhstan, which is really far out for people, and uh, that's about it. 
These are the options. So a quarter of a million people have left Russia so far. They're five, six, seven, ten mile long lines at all of the border crossings, people trying to get out. Airline prices have gone through the roof with prices ranging anywhere between five to twenty thousand dollars for a ticket. And also many of the countries in the um, European Union are not granting visas to Russian citizens. All of this to put pressure on Russian citizens to revolt against Putin. Um, the chances are really not slim. Russian people are not the kind of people to revolt. Certainly this is not enough pressure. What is happening though is that the people who want to escape mobilization um, have a very hard time doing so. And so we're pushing people back into the hands of Putin, to the arms of Putin, into Russian army, more people to join the fight in Ukraine. Um, with this mobilization, we expect the first soldiers to arrive on the Ukrainian front within two to three weeks. And um, Ukrainians keep pushing a story that Russians have been given uh, anti-nuclear protection, some of the Russian soldiers. Um, I'm not so sure how true that is, seeing that the kind of equipment Russian soldiers get is very old, including rusty guns we have seen on social media. Russian soldiers, new conscripts, put up pictures of and videos of rusty old guns that literally cannot do anything. So um, I really doubt that Russian would, would protect the soldiers with anti-nuclear protection gear. Certainly when Russian soldiers were sent into the restricted zone around Chernobyl, they didn't even know where they were. They were certainly not given any kind of uh, protective gear because Russians really use their soldiers like cannon fodder. This is the preferred Russian military tactic that it's so in Finland. This is the, was the only way they could win that war in 1940. They did it again against the Germans during World War II. Uh, they tried to do that in Afghanistan. That didn't work. And so now they're using that same tactic in Russia as... Um, General Zhukov famously equipped during World War II. There's no reason to spare soldiers. Russian women will make more. Um, so things are not going to look pretty on the Ukrainian front going forward. Um, Ukrainians have had some excellent gains in the past couple of weeks. Um, but with 300,000 to 1 million new Russian soldiers, this is going to get more bloody, more protracted more problematic, and I know that most people don't follow this, but this will have long-term implications for the entire world, both in economy and politics. And what we have seen over the past six months is a promo. Yes, it's literally a prelude to a larger conflict that I think is going to come in the coming months. So I think it's very important for every single one of us to note that the future of the entire world really depends on us. Every single person has impact on the future of the world. If we want the world to be better, more peaceful, more quiet, more calm, more kind, the way to do so is to make ourselves more peaceful, more calm, more kind, and by every person doing their job, wherever they are, we can collectively make this world a better place. 
This is known sometimes as the butterfly effect, but we Jews believe that God judges the world on its entirety in addition to judging individuals, and so every single person can change the future of the world by making sure that they first change themselves, because really the only person you can change is yourself. So we're going to discuss some techniques on how you can introspect in these 10 days to go into the new year with a clean slate. Yom Kippur is ahead of us next week. It's a Day of Atonement, but it's not a scary Day of Atonement. It's a beautiful Day of Atonement when we have a chance to make things right. So in order to make things right, we have to do some inner preparation. I'd like to share some techniques on how you could do that. Some of these thoughts are going to be different from what we're used to, but I hope that you find them useful uh, going forward in your introspection. And this time, especially the days around Yom Kippur, are really full of thoughts on self-improvement and how to change our behavior, how to be, become better in the coming year. And here is an important principle that the Baal Shem Tov brings that I think is critical for this work. And that is, you are where your thoughts are. Most of us identify with our behaviors, the things we say, and most of us criticize ourselves and find ourselves not being enough. We have such lofty aspirations and find very often that we don't come close to what we want to be. We see ourselves in a certain way, want to become a certain way. But when we look at who we are in reality, there's just no match. The Baal Shem Tov tells us this, that this is a completely wrong way to evaluate yourself. You are where your thoughts are. And there is an interesting law, halacha, from the laws of prayer on Yom Kippur that illustrates that. Every day, Every Jew says the prayer of Shema Israel. It's the central prayer of Jewish religion. And the second line of that prayer is, Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuto Le'olam Va'ed. The name of God's glory will be blessed forever. The law is that this sentence is said quietly under your breath because only angels can say this prayer out loud. There is one exception to this law, and that is at the start of Yom Kippur, on the eve of Yom Kippur, when we come to synagogue and we just started the service, we say this line out loud. And the question is, this doesn't make any sense. We're just starting Yom Kippur. We're just starting the prayers. We're just starting the Day of Atonement. We haven't done the work of atonement yet. And yet we say this very special line out loud. But at the evening prayer, at the end of Yom Kippur, after a full day of prayer and fasting and atonement, we say this line silently, just like the rest of the year. And this makes no sense. It should be the other way around. At the start of Yom Kippur, we should be saying it silently. And at the end of Yom Kippur, when we're really pure and holy, after a whole day of fasting, that's when we should be saying it out loud. But no, where are you mentally at the beginning of Yom Kippur? Yes, you just came after a full meal, but your thoughts are on your prayers. 
Your thoughts are on fasting. Your thoughts are on atonement. You're fully focused on what's lying ahead of you, a day of atonement. And therefore, you are where your thoughts are. On this day, you're like an angel because your thoughts are focused on serving God like an angel without food for a full day. At the end of Yom Kippur, yes, you're pure and you're, you've atoned your sins. And now your thoughts are on the meal that you're about to go eat. So while you have been purified by the day, you're once again in the realm of human beings. So how do we take this concept that you are where your thoughts are? And how do we apply it to serving God? Over the past several years, there have been many experiments done by psychologists that showed that thinking about something or practicing it in your mind is just as effective as doing it in reality. So for example, if you take three groups of basketball players and one group of basketball players just sits on the bench, Another group of basketball players actually shoots some hoops. And a third group of basketball players sit and imagine themselves shooting hoops. The two latter groups improve their performance similarly. Actually, the ones that imagine themselves shooting hoops might even do a little bit better. So this is another way to show that when we think about things and focus on things deeply, it really affects us. When you sit in your car or at home and you suddenly have a flashback of an experience, especially if it's a traumatic experience, what you're feeling is the same trauma that you felt when you actually experienced that thing. And the same thing about happy thoughts. If you have a flashback to a happy event, you have the emotions in your body that you had during that happy event. So the thoughts we think, the things we focus on, really make us feel as if we're there. And this is what ba- the Baal Shem Tov tells us. The things you focus on, that's the places you go. But it goes deeper than that. The Pesetzner Rebbe teaches us that what God really judges us on is on our will. Yes, not just on our actions, but primarily on our will. What is your will? What is it that you actually want? Because your will is just about the only thing you can control. You can control what you want. You can't always control what comes out of it. So let's understand what it means to want something. What is the definition of will? We usually think of will as the things we want, right? I want to get a new job. I want to learn more Torah. I want to spend more time with my kids, my Um, spouse, my friends. I want to pray more. I want to stop speaking negatively about people. I want to have more money. I want to be happy. We think that wanting things will actually make them happen. But that's not what we're saying. Because this is not called will. Saying I wish is not will. The Besetzner Rebbe calls that bracha, blessing. Well, actually, wishful thinking. Just sitting on your bench and thinking that you want something is not going to bring it to you and it's not going to make it happen. So what is real will that God considers and judges us on? 
That real will, that's called ratzon in Hebrew, is a wish with an action plan attached to it. So for example, I want to get a new job and therefore I will review my resume and send it to three people. I wish I could learn more Torah and therefore I will join a class. I wish I could spend more time with my kids, my spouse, my friends, and therefore I will schedule a date with this special person once a week, once two weeks, once a month. I wish I could pray better and therefore I will set aside 10 minutes a day to have quiet time to concentrate my thoughts. I wish I would not speak negatively about people and therefore I will find three good things to say about somebody every day. You get the idea. In the past 18 months, we have learned that even best laid plans cause God to laugh. But that doesn't mean we should not be taking action. And that does not mean we should not be planning for the coming year. It does not mean we should be setting our wishes and our wills aside. We should continue to wish for things and to will things. And we should have action plans attached to our wishes. And that we should follow through with. You have done what you can to make it happen. All you can do is wish for something and create an opening by doing an action. And then the results are really up to God. The results are God's responsibility, not yours. If you want to strive for the right thing, well, that means you're doing what God has put you into the world to do, to wish and to strive. Now look back at your will a year ago. Where were your wishes, goals, and action plans? And where are they now? Is your will stronger? Is it more focused? Do you want holier, more important, more altruistic things? Have you actually been able to materialize, to bring into the world any of the things you wished for a year ago? Or were they really wishful thinking? This is the kind of reflection we do on Yom Kippur. Have I become a holier, more godly person by wishing for better things? And I've been able to actualize some of my wishes? If yes, and it doesn't have to be a perfect track record. Good for you. You've done good work in this year. You've grown. And it does not matter that you made mistakes along the way. That's part of life. That's how we learn. The important thing is your will, your goals, and your action plans are now better than a year ago. And hopefully, they will be even better in a year from now. Give yourself some compassion as you face God on this Yom Kippur. If you have a child or a person you love in your life, how do you feel when somebody speaks badly about that person? It hurts you, right? It hurts God when somebody speaks badly about his children. And certainly we should not be beating ourselves up because we're hurting God. Instead, we should understand that just like we evaluate people close to us, but their will and the actions they take to make their will happen, so does God. So this is the time to take out a page and write down the kind of things you would like to accomplish in the coming year and what steps you will take to do that. 
um, the Besetzna Rebbe recommends every person to actually think what kind of a person would you like to be in the coming year, whatever your name is, let's say your name is Hannah. So Hannah, think, what kind of Hannah would you like to be this time next year? What kind of person would that look like? What kind of a thought, speech, and action would that person be capable of? Write all of that down and hold that around um, during your year. Put it up on your, on your refrigerator or into your purse, in your phone. And you can always look at that image of future Hana and think, how do I measure up? Because the only way to become that person is to take measured steps throughout the year. And without thoughts, without plans, and without actions, we can actually make that happen. And here's another really interesting idea that I also heard this year, uh, reiterated more strongly than I heard it in previous years. Um, as we stand for God in judgment during this time of the year, there are two categories of people that God judges more favorably than others with a very different kind of approach. The first group of people are the group of people that are not private individuals, people who have made themselves public individuals, not necessarily by becoming celebrities, becoming public, but by putting public good and help to other people as front and center in the, their lives. So, for example, if you dedicate some of your time to teaching Torah, to doing acts of kindness, to community service, if other people need you, and you can actually even do it through your work, if you're mindful that your work is public service, although, yes, you get money for it, and you're mindful of the good you're bringing to other people, then when God judges you, he doesn't judge you as an individual, but rather he judges you as somebody who is of assistance to the entire community. And then it's a very different kind of approach because then God takes into account the fact that you are needed by so many other people. So how can you make yourself a more public person, a more open person? Not necessarily that you have to give up on your privacy, but how can you dedicate more of your time to assisting others? And the second kind of person that God judges differently, and I think this is really something that we also want to become, is a kind of person who doesn't hold grudges. A person who makes peace with other people. In Hebrew, it's called ma'avir al-midotav. A person who doesn't exact judgment from other people exactly as they deserve it, but rather a person who's easygoing and who... Um, Let's go off grievances. So I would like to talk about how to become that kind of person and why that is important for the next several minutes. And this is actually very apropos to side of Yom Kippur that is often ignored. Yom Kippur is a day of atonement when God atones our sins and misdeeds of the previous year and we now have a clean slate to go with into the new year. With a caveat to that. On Yom Kippur, God only atones sins between man and God. The things that you did wrong and violated God's will, those are the things that God atones on Yom Kippur. But God does not atone sins between man and man until we receive 
the person's forgiveness. And therefore, it is so important to take these three, four days we have till Yom Kippur to really think and search, is this somebody that we have wronged one way or another? Is this somebody whose forgiveness we have to ask for? And sometimes we do things unintentionally and we hurt people anyway. And there's a beautiful line that author Susan Scott uses, that you aren't responsible for your wake. When a boat rides through a lake, there are ripples left by the boat. That's called the wake. And in life, through our actions, we all leave a wake. And it's easy to say, well, you know, that person, she's just too sensitive. That's possible. It's possible that she's too sensitive and it's really not your problem. But I think if we were a little bit more mindful of the domino effect that we create in the world, it will be a better place for everybody. So before you can go into Yom Kippur and ask God for forgiveness, it's important to think about the people who you might have wronged or who you might have a falling out with during the previous year and the years before. And it doesn't really matter who was right or wrong. What matters is that we have as much peace as possible. It is said that when there is somebody that you can't have a conversation with, that when you see them or they see you, you or they cross to the opposite side of the street, somebody you wouldn't say hello to, that's called hate. And maybe you don't hate them in your in your heart. But if you can't have a conversation with them, that's called hate. And God hates it when people hate each other. It's literally the opposite of what he wants in the world. So it doesn't really matter who started it. The important things is that you make amends. And it could be very easy, especially during this time when people's hearts are open and people expect apologies and people are willing to um, forgive and forget. I had an incident with somebody in my community a few years ago when her dog scratched my daughter. And my daughter actually had blood come out. So because of the danger of rabies, which is a deadly disease, and it does happen in Israel, our family doctor told us to contact the Ministry of Health. And the standard procedure is that, that the dog is quarantined for two weeks to see how it's doing. And if after two weeks everything's okay, then the dog is released and the child is fine. And if the dog shows signs of rabies, then the child is vaccinated. So we followed this advice and we went to the Ministry of Health and we reported the incident. And sure enough, the county veterinarian came and quarantined the dog. And then this person in my community was so upset that I quote-unquote snitched on their dog and that their dog would be vaccinated and their dog would not come back alive from vaccination. And she was just so upset with me. She wouldn't talk to me for <laughs> quite a few weeks, actually months after that. So I know I'm right. I know that the life of my child, um, even when faced with the possibility of a very serious, possibly lethal disease, is more important than the welfare of the dog. And still, there's something unhealthy when there's somebody who doesn't talk to you in your community. So on the eve of Yom Kippur, I knocked on this person's door on my way to the synagogue and said, look, we had a falling out, and I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry about my part, and I hope we can put this behind us. And that was it, and I left.
And then an interesting thing happened. A few days later, our paths crossed. And she smiled at me and we had a conversation. And, you know, it's been a few years since then. And we're totally fine. Now, once again, I know I'm not responsible. I'm not taking any blame. I know I did the right thing. But I also know that peace is more important than being right. And really, knocking on her door and saying those things took two minutes. It didn't make me any less of a person. It didn't make me any less respected in my eyes or in her eyes. But it did pave a way for us to have peace. And it's a simple thing to do if we just put our ego aside. And our ego is really not real. It's a figment of our imagination. What will people think of me? But I'm right and she's wrong. Who cares? Who cares if she's right and you're wrong or the other way around? The important point is to have peace. Now, it's important to qualify that because there's some manipulative people who are narcissistic and not emotionally healthy. And they will use guilt to guilt you into various situations when you're totally not responsible. So when I'm not talking about those kinds of people, those are the kinds of people who have to have very strict boundaries. And you have to have very strict boundaries for yourself and for them. And with those kinds of people, you really have to think twice, what's the right way to to approach them or not approach them or keep them at arm's distance. But not everybody around us is narcissistic. Not everybody around us is emotionally healthy. Actually, most people are okay. They just make mistakes of judgment. And sometimes they get upset over things and they don't think twice. And sometimes they also get caught up in their egos. So for those regular folks who make their mistakes and then don't always know how to come out of them, you'll be the one to take the first step. It doesn't really matter. And it's so easy. We say this to our kids all the time. You know, just, you know, you you had a fight with your friend. You said some things you didn't mean to. She said some things you didn't mean to. Be the first to stretch your hand out and make peace. And God loves that. And we have the ability to put our ego aside and to make the first step to make amends God also judges us favorably because he understands we're not putting our ego in the middle. We're putting him and his wishes for peace in the middle. So as you're trying to create favorable judgment for yourself on this Yom Kippur, take a few minutes to think of the people with whom you might have had some falling out. And it happens so fast on social media. People get so defensive and so upset and so personal on social media, even with people they know, it's a good time to write a short apology or a short, I know we had our differences, let's put them aside and start anew. And here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a blanket post of, to Emily, I might have heard this year, I'm sorry. No, that doesn't really do anything. Really take the time to send that personal note. It's two or three lines, it's two minutes of your time but it can help somebody heal a hurt and it can help you restore relationships you've had that soured. And really, you will be the biggest beneficiary because God will judge you favorably, but also people will respect your ability, your courage 
to be the first to make amends. And I'm going to say this once again, it's important not to misplace this with people who are manipulative, who um, use guilt to guilt trip you into things that they want. Those kinds of people are a separate story. And you should definitely not be taking any abuse from anybody and certainly not apologizing for them abusing you. That's something that happens in abusive situations. And if you are in an abusive situation, please leave and get help. But for everybody else who is just having the differences with friends, find ways to make amends. And especially in families. Our families are hard. Our families are tough. People in families are very close. They take things personally with their parents, with their kids, with their in-laws, with their siblings. Especially families need peace. There's probably no greater value in Judaism than peace in the family. Once again, not talking about abusive situations, not talking about unhealthy families. Normal families that have their differences. There's no greater value than having peace in the family to the extent that God allows for his name to be erased to return peace to a family. Is there a family member? Is there a friend? Is there a neighbor, a colleague, a client, a vendor that you have had a falling out with? Find a way to make peace there. So with these words, I would like to once again um, wish you a very meaningful fast and a meaningful Yom Kippur. I want to ask your forgiveness if I have said something or done something that has caused you hurt. And I'm asking you if that's the case to please contact me through the channel so I could make amends personally. May this year bring a lot of health, prosperity, happiness to you and your entire family. May this be a year of peace, success for your community, your city, your country, and for the entire world. I hope that when we get together for our last show of this year, in a year from now, there will not be a war in the background. There will not be mobilization in the background. People will not be trying to leave their countries to escape being part of a bloodbath. I hope that when we come back to another round of this show in a year from now, we will live in a much better, much more perfect way, in a much better, much more perfect world that is at peace, calm, and health with each other. Have a great Yom Kippur, and I will see you later. Bye-bye now. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 